stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, it's one of those days where you just feel kind of a, it's like a sick feeling of deja vu. We've, we've been through this just recently, talking about something horrible happening in Toronto, talking about the resiliency of the residents of Toronto. People are banding together in Toronto in the aftermath of a shocking tragedy. And perhaps another parallel being that there's a lot of speculation and, and perhaps even irresponsible speculation around what exactly motivated this uh, act, these acts of violence last night. What we do know for sure, folks, is that two people are dead. One of them is just 10 years old. The other 18. There are a total of 15 victims, ranging in age from 10 to 59 years of age. Uh, The shooter is dead. We know that that individual is a 29-year-old man from Toronto. Obviously, there's a lot we don't know at this point about who he is and why he was out last night shooting people randomly, it seems, on Danforth Avenue in Toronto. So a pretty horrific scene today. And once again, a city shook to its core, shaken to its core, and, and certainly a country as well, as we try to make sense of what's going on uh, on the streets of Canadian cities. And, and why it seems that in our biggest city, there have been so many shocking acts uh, as of late. Not just, of course, these, these large-scale horrific incidents, but it seems as though there's been a spate of violence uh, in Toronto recently. But what are we to make of it all? Now, before we get to our guests, I wanted to uh, share this with you. This was uh, one of the witnesses uh, to uh, last night's carnage, Andreas uh, Mancios. It was in Greektown in Toronto last night, like so many other people were. Uh, and here he is describing to Global News what it was he witnessed. I was from maybe 12 feet away with my friend sitting. And every, somebody shouted, says, everybody down. And somebody pushed me. And I fell on the, uh, on the cement uh, sitting there, you know, by the, by the fountain. And I stayed there, you know, and everybody was falling down and running and... I turned around and I just saw him execute a lady, black, you know, because a, a lady tried to run and she fell by the tree. Um, and he went boom, 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 three times. And then he, he went across the street, kept shooting, and then walked down Danforth. But uh, the owners of uh, Leonidas, you know, the. Uh, just come on down to the basement, you know, they the pulled us uh, down the basement. I was trying to call 911, but the, the line was blocked. And uh, then they called me back and they said, and I said, listen, there's been multiple injuries and shootings. Send somebody. It was horrible. Like, uh, we don't expect this on Danforth, you know, I mean, of all places. But the guy seemed to be, had his, this look on his face, you know, when... Well, I saw his profile, right? Like he was screaming at something and shooting. Uh, like uh, he was in a mock state, you know. All right. Well, uh, joining us uh, for the latest uh, on the aftermath uh, of this horrific incident, Matt Gurney joins us. He is with Global News Radio AM 640 in Toronto, host of The Exchange. Matt, thanks for joining us here. Hey, Rob. Sorry to be doing this again. Yeah, well, you know, that's you know what I said earlier. I mean, it just it feels like here we go again, trying to make sense of, of something shocking happening in your city. So wh- where are you right now, Matt? 
I'm as close as I can get to one of the uh, shooting sites. Uh, I'm right up against the police tape now. You can probably hear in the background, and I apologize for that, some background noise. That's 15 or so satellite trucks that are parked right down the road. We've got local news here, of course. We, I see uh, an NBC uh, crew that's just arrived, uh, CBC here. I mean, basically everyone you can imagine is here lined up. This is also an area where the police have set up a uh, mobile command headquarters, so it's just an absolute hive of activity. One of the shooting sites yesterday uh, is at a, a fairly major intersection in this neighborhood, and it's a particularly noteworthy one because one of the corners of this intersection has been set aside to be a park, and there's a beautiful fountain in it. There's some benches. I can see that with my eyes right now. And I know this park. This is a park where I've been to. I take my kids to it. One of my best friends was at this park with his daughter just yesterday morning, and it is completely surrounded in yellow police tape. So I'm as close to it as I can get. Uh, and right now, within my view, there's got to be 20 or 30 officers uh, still doing their investigation here. Well, I can imagine this is quite a massive investigation. How spread out is this area that would now be considered one big crime scene? It's, I mean, it's a road, uh, to, uh, you know, four lanes across, two lanes each way, and the sidewalks on either side. But it stretches on for about a kilometer. So it, it's, a, it's a significant stretch here. Over, like, the last uh, officer I spoke to is about 10 minutes ago, and he said they were starting to try and get a sense of maybe parts of this uh, long stretch of road aren't considered part of the crime scene, and they might be able to start collapsing the crime scene perimeter a little bit. Because just this is a huge impediment to traffic and daily life in this area. This is a big stretch of road in a busy part of the city. So I know the police are sensitive to the fact that they want to try and get it open now. But we have multiple shooting scenes along that side. We have multiple uh, shell casings that have been found. People were picked up to be transported to hospital, not necessarily at the location where they were shot, because some people were running away. So it's really complicated. And what's interesting, and I say this neutrally, I don't know what the explanation for this is, we have a lot less information about this one than we did well, when you and I were talking very similarly three months ago after that attack in uh, northern Toronto. So after that attack in northern Toronto, we in the media knew very quickly where the actual scenes of carnage are. We don't have that kind of information this time, honestly, simply because the police aren't saying nearly as much. Right, yeah, there there were a couple of updates this morning, but uh, we, we didn't learn a lot more. I mean, the, the ages of the two victims were confirmed, but anything at all about the suspect, we're really still in the dark here, Matt. But I, I mean, at, at this point, we can rule out that this was, you know, gangbangers shooting it out and innocents caught in the crossfire or someone being wrongly targeted. I mean, this, this does seem to be a, a, a deliberate random shooting, is in a deliberate targeting of, of innocents. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I would be hesitant to rule out a criminal organization if only because we have no idea who the individual was or the motive was. But, I mean, to your point, uh, a couple of weeks ago in Toronto, we had a pretty horrific incident where a couple of young girls, sisters, five and nine years old, were shot in a playground. And we found out later that what had happened was that it was gang-related. And as horrible as this sounds, those little girls were in the wrong place at the wrong time. They weren't targets. They just hit uh, bullets that were flying this is not that. Whatever this person's motive was, whatever he was doing, he was targeting people, from what we can understand, completely at random. So we had people apparently shot down and killed in the streets. We had gunfire at this park with the fountain. We had people in restaurants taking cover as bullets began flying through the windows. And, and Rob, I should tell you this, this part of town, uh, for, for your listeners who don't know Toronto, is an absolute hub of 
cultural activities and nightlife. So this is not like, you know, your local business district with a couple of strip malls or something. This part of the city is buzzing with activity all the time. It is uh, an absolute hive of restaurants, of uh, bars, of community centers, of churches and temples and uh, mosques. A ton of offices are here. A lot of parks, a lot of 24-hour day markets. If you were looking for someplace in Toronto where you were going to find a lot of people at 10 o'clock on a Sunday night, this was probably your top three places to go. Yeah, which is quite terrifying. Now, in, in terms of, of what happened with the gunman, because, of course, now we got police investigating these crime scenes where people were, were murdered or injured. Uh, but now there's an investigation into, you know, whenever police uh, have to, to draw their weapons and, and a suspect uh, ends up dead, that needs to be investigated. So in terms of how they engage the suspect, whether police shot him dead, whether he shot himself dead, I, I guess we don't know a lot about that either, do we? No, let me walk you through just for a second here about how this works procedurally. Uh, in Ontario, there's a provincial agency, and all it does is investigate incidents where the police are involved uh, with the public in which a member of the public is injured. So that is everything from a police cruiser's in a fender bender, and someone gets whiplash, and it's everything right up into an officer gunning someone down. There's regulations around those investigations. Once that agency takes over the investigation, the police are legally forbidden from commenting. They cannot comment publicly on the incident. So what we know and what the, all the police have been able to say is that when this incident was happening, very quickly, like I said, this is a busy area, so it's heavily patrolled, officers located the shooter very quickly. Within a matter of minutes, there was a gun battle. The man is dead. And I know that sounds like I'm, I'm being uh, necessarily blunt here. That's all that anyone will officially say. After the gun battle, they say the man was found shortly thereafter having died. Uh, Whether or not he was killed by police gunfire or whether or not he took his own life having been pinned down by police, no one knows. That will apparently, uh, we're hearing, we're going to find out about that, assuming nobody leaks anything. Apparently we will officially find that out sometime tomorrow because uh, the coroner now has the body of the suspect and there will be a postmortem in the coming hours. Yeah. And, and, and now look at this point, as you said, we, we don't know anything about this suspect. We don't know what his motivations were in yep. terms of the firearm he used. We, we don't know anything about how he acquired that. Uh, look, obviously, there's been a spate of gun violence in Toronto recently, and, and people are certainly reasonable to weigh in on that. Does it seem a little premature to you today, Matt, here this afternoon? We already had Toronto's mayor once again you know, bringing up the gun debate and the aftermath of what happened last night. And I mean, there's all kinds of other speculation at this point. Does it seem like maybe we should hold off? Uh, you know what? I'm, yes, it, 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 that would be what I say. I think it, it is premature, but I also just try, try to be a reasonable person. Mayor of Toronto has been up all night dealing with this. He got the microphone put in his face this morning. He has nothing to say because he can't say publicly anything yet. Yeah. So he mentions we should take a look at gun control. Look, I don't think that's going to be helpful. Just a few weeks ago, uh, Toronto police announced with a lot of fanfare that they had just busted up a smuggling ring that was buying uh, weapons in Florida bringing them up to the uh, northern United States, and they were being smuggled across uh, a river part of the border into Cornwall, Ontario. And that's just a couple-of-hour drive down the 401. So the police seized dozens and dozens of guns in that. And I think this aligns with everything the police have generally known in this city, that anywhere from half to three-quarters, and it depends on the year a bit, of guns that are actually used for crime in Toronto and are identified and traced are coming from the United States. So, sure, we can... (laughs) Sure, let's talk about layering another level of uh, red tape on legal gun owners. It's not going to make the public any safer.
But no one has any idea what the hell is going on. We don't know if this is terrorism. We don't know if this is mental illness. We don't know if this was some guy who had something terrible happened in his life and he snapped. We don't know any of that. But in the meantime, politicians got a politic. They got to get out there and say something. So they, they trot out all the usual talking points. Is it productive? No. But hey, man, you and I are in the news business. They got to feed the machine we've made. Well, that's true. Matt, we'll see how this all plays out. Appreciate you making some yeah. time for us here today. Anytime. Hope it's a while before we do this one again. Yeah, no kidding. Take care, Matt. Matt Gurney uh, with our sister station, AM640 Global News Radio in Toronto. So uh, down near what I guess is a fairly large crime scene, this whole spread out area where all of this carnage unfolded. Uh, and people just trying to make sense of this, trying to understand what happened here and why it happened. Obviously, there's a lot we don't know at this point. Uh, I, I think there will be a time and a place for certain avenues of conversation uh, if, in fact, the, uh, you know, the facts point us in that direction. I, I mean, it is fair to conclude at this point that, look, we, we have a situation where somebody had a gun uh, and we got a whole lot of people dead and injured. So, sure, I guess that makes a, sort of a, a broad point about um, what, what firearms are capable of or what people with bad intent are capable of if they got a firearm in their hands. But in terms of specific recourse to addressing that kind of situation, well, again, we have no idea who this individual is, why he had a gun, how he got a gun. So I think we need to wait for that. A lot of speculation, too, about, you know, terrorism and who was this guy? Where did he come from? What's his uh, affiliation? Again, we have no information at this point. Now, if and when we do, then we, we can have those conversations. But I think at this point, it's about trying to understand uh, what happened here, why it happened, and obviously uh, hoping for the best for uh, those who are in hospital recovering from their wounds. Now, we get this story today uh, just uh, coming out of Ottawa. And again, I don't want to point to any kind of connection here because I got nothing to, to indicate there's any kind of a connection here. Uh, but the RCMP are investigating after a man tried to attack a member of the ceremonial guard on Parliament Hill today. Uh, the Department of National Defense says the incident took place at 10:15 uh, a.m. Ottawa time, so about 8:15 our time, on the lawn of Parliament Hill during the changing of the guard parade. The man was armed with a knife and attempted to stab a guard member. Uh, DND says, due to the quick reaction of our soldiers, RCMP, and parliamentary protective services, the potential threat was identified and neutralized. No one was injured during the incident. The man was taken into custody. No word yet on any potential charges or who this individual is. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.